Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim, and we are four women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. Releasing the shame around your struggles is hard work, especially if you feel alone. And so we wanted to create this podcast as a way to unite women of all ages, from all locations, all sizes and shapes, and really just want to invite you to sit at our table. Come as you are. Health and fitness is for everybody. And we're here to remind you that you belong, you matter, you are brave, you are capable, you are deserving of success. Maybe right now you don't truly believe those things, and that's okay. When we first got started, we didn't either. But we promise that each episode, we will show up vulnerably. We want you to realize your potential and the truth of who you really are. We will help you step into success and acknowledge that the power already lies within you. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. Welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast, you guys. I am your host today, Sam Altieri. On the show with me, I have Marcy Nevin, Kim Schlag, and Sarah Duff. And the four of us are going to talk all about weekend eating, sabotaging yourself on the weekends, and we labeled this episode, just put the donut down. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Put it down, you guys. (laughs) Hi, ladies. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Life is good. Life is good. (laughs) And I think today would be an awesome time to talk about the weekend eating and how it can really, really ruin, um, your fat loss results. If you're, you know, or even just your relationship with food. I know personally for me in the past, I kind of saw the weekends as a free for all. I was like, Oh yeah. Like looking forward to the weekend, pizza, ice cream, cereal, all the stuff. Um, and not really realizing how much it could kind of reverse your weekday efforts. And so I wanted to kind of start off talking with you guys about your experience with it and then we can kind of dive into dive into that a little bit more um so kim why don't we start with you um do you have any experience with the weekend eating yourself um and can you talk a little bit about that Absolutely. Like most people, I grew up and lived a large part of my life with the weekend mentality of, yay, Friday's here. Actually, I have lots of memories of Friday night at Burger King as a kid. We would always go to Burger King or get pizza on Friday night. Like that was our thing. Mm -hmm. And pancakes on Saturday morning or lots of bowls of cereal while I watched Saturday morning cartoons. You You know, there was this definite idea of it's the weekend. I eat differently. And differently meant just a ton of junky food that on its own, a little bit at a time would make no difference in a person's, you know, overall health or weight, but jammed all in over the course of three days. Um, you know, and then it gave me this mentality of weekend is time for cheating. And I did that when I first started losing weight, I absolutely set aside weekend days and I was cheating, you know, cheating on myself, cheating on my diet. And it just set me up for a bad relationship with food that quite frankly is totally fine in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know probably a lot of people out there can resonate with that because it's the mentality part, right? Like mm-hmm. you go into the weekend being like, all right, here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. <laughs> go big or go home. Draft in. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sarah, what about you? The 100%. My big thing used to be going out drinking a lot at the weekends. Um, <laughs> So Friday, Saturday night, and we're not talking just the odd glass of wine, we're talking more bottles of wine, um, which would then lead into drunk eating. Yes. So (laughs) like all kinds of things. I used to come home and cook up a very burnt, messy storm 
in the kitchen <laughs> down the and there'd be like peanut butter and cereal and like like burnt bits of pizza like everywhere um and that went on for quite a few years of just like being in that mentality of as soon as Friday hit in it was time to get leathered that's what we call it here in the UK get leathered and um yeah eat that and then eat hangover food because obviously you get up feeling terrible and then have to soak up the night before with more crap food and it's a not a great cycle at all makes you feel rubbish and yeah I put on a lot of my weight during that period yeah yeah I feel that for sure me (laughs) me college and post-college I that is like (laughs) oh man the amount of mozzarella sticks I ate after drinking yum it's just like what was I thinking yeah I do remember waking up with I'd gone to bed with like a bar of chocolate and I remember waking up with the bar of chocolate (laughs) melted like like it was like a scene out of like American Pie or something I was like oh my god what has (laughs) (laughs) I did the same but with a thing of cheese puffs so not only not only was I covered in cheese puffs, my entire sheets were orange. Orange. <laughs> I just looked like I'd pooped myself. <laughs> were you worried for a moment, Sarah? Did you think, oh, wait, did I poop? Yeah, I genuinely, I genuinely was. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Because it was all right around the top of the bed. And I was like, well, that's an interesting <laughs> How did I not wake up? <laughs> I was like, mmm, this tastes nice. <laughs> okay, <laughs> ew. <laughs> not do this, kids. It's not smart. Ooh, oh, man. Now that you guys have the visual of <laughs> chocolate <laughs> smeared all over <laughs> Sarah's bed. <laughs> Marcy, what about you? Do you have any good stories? So I'm playing the devil's advocate on this one because the weekends have never been my downfall and I will just be honest and vulnerable about this one. So from the age of probably 18, when I went off to college, I struggled with severe disordered eating. So I was not the type who restricted all week long and then was like, oh, you know, I'm so restricted that I'm just going to binge on everything because it's the weekend or because I feel deprived. Like being able to stick to my diet was my superpower for sure. So, I mean, I would have incidents here where, you know, I ate too many nuts or like too many handfuls of cereal, but it was never a weekend thing. I think for me, alcohol, like Sarah said, was the thing that I kind of went crazy on, especially in college, but it never really led to waking. I was 98 pounds in college, like pretty much up until the day I graduated. And then really soon after that is when I kind of got into, I would say like the bodybuilding lifestyle. And I had a coach pretty much from the time I was 22 years old up until now, I really have not, there hasn't been a period of time or even a long period of time where I haven't worked with somebody telling me like, this is what you need to eat. And I've just been able to stick to that really well. So yeah, for me, the weekends have never been where I fall off track because I've always been able to stay really regimented with my diet. But again, that was more based on food fear, food obsession, you know, disordered eating, all of that. So I was too afraid of eating those foods to even touch them in a sense. And then the other component of that, which I think has kind of helped is that I was on up until recently a very restrictive diet for my autoimmune conditions. So things like alcohol and the gluten, dairy, all of those foods that you may consider, you know, binge worthy, the type of stuff that people usually gravitate towards on the on the weekends, those are completely off limits for me. So because I was on such a strict diet, I just had to stay super regimented. And yeah, so that's kind of my story. 
I'll have to be honest about that. (laughs) I have plenty of, you know, insight I can share for when I work with clients, but for myself, the weekends are not my downfall. Yeah. So you have, you do a really good job at staying in control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, control for me, structure control is my source of freedom. You know, like that's how I feel mentally and emotionally well. Yeah. We should probably talk more about that in a future episode because I think that yeah, could be absolutely. an entire episode. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to see all of the differences amongst all of our experiences with weekends. I know for me personally, um, maybe going back like six months ago, actually, when Marcy and I were having a conversation about my own eating and like relationship with food, it was that I was just treating the weekend so differently. Like I think you said, Kim. Um, and not realizing it, just being like, oh yeah, this is actually like your body saying, hey, you've been restricting too hard throughout the week, whether it be the amount of calories you've been eating or the types of food, like you haven't given, you haven't given yourself permission to actually eat the things you really want just in moderation throughout the week. So the weekend comes and it's like, well, all rules out the window, fuck this, I'm just going for it, you know, like, you know, I just, I can't, I can't help it anymore. And so that feeling, that feeling can suck, you know, and it does suck. And it, and it accompanies uh, guilt and shame and uh, a fear of doing it again. Um, and so I think that kind of brings up the next point. Like, do you guys have experience with clients who have been, you know, maybe they've come to you and they're tracking all their calories or not, maybe they're not counting calories, um, but they're telling you that they're really good about sticking to their diet. And then you ask them, what about the weekends? And what does that conversation look like? Like any one of you guys, does it, does it like make them realize that their weekends are really the responsible factor in preventing fat loss? Um, Does it, you know, is that an obvious thing for your clients or do you notice that they have to really start like writing down and tracking things to see those trends? So I'll go, Marcy. I would say the majority of my clients, when they first start working with me, one of the first things they say is, so I'm really anxious about the weekends because that's when I usually fall off track. Can you help me? What are some tips, some strategies so that I won't do it? So they oftentimes have the awareness that the weekend is what gets them in trouble. And in my experience, it's not because they are trying to restrict so hard during the week. It's like the weekend is their time to unwind from a stressful life, not necessarily a really restrictive diet. So that could just be the clients that I am attracting that are coming to me But yeah, so far in my experience, it's people who are using the weekends to disconnect from their life, essentially, and they're using it as their form of stress relief. Yeah. I'd say my clients run the gamut. I definitely see what you just described, Marcy, for sure, that people are like, I need some release and this is where I'm going to relax and that's what I do. I see people who are in that situation and they still... They have no idea the impact that the weekends are having. They just don't think that it's that bad as far as the impact it's having on the results. And they're kind of confused as to why, you know, they feel like they're fairly on track and it's not until we spend some time and they actually look and see like, whoa, that was an insane amount of calories over the weekend. I have other people who um, are being super restrictive during the week and are well aware that when they get to the weekend, they kind of let loose. (laughs) And it's, I guess there's, just a great variety of awareness as to what they're actually doing and what its impact is. I have many people who swear they're completely on track on the weekend and it's not until we really start looking at it that they're like, oh wait, that's not at all on, (laughs) that's not at all what I thought I was doing. So it's just kind of all over the place. But I would say most of my clients um, struggle with the weekend to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, so I get a whole range of things. I get people that are completely in denial altogether. Oh, no, I just have the one extra at the weekend. And then after a few weeks when things are still not moving, you're like, 
okay, so you re reassess and then it turns out that the one glass of wine was actually a bottle of wine or the, the extra food, the extra meal, uh, serving a meal was actually two extra servings. So yeah, it's a bit of denial. And then I get the people, clients who are, I'm just too busy with like the family and everything to think about it. So I just, I just kind of go with whatever's there. So sometimes I feel maybe used as a bit of an excuse. So they kind of, well, I'm busy and it's family time. So I don't need to take responsibility for my actions. I'm just going to kind of go with what's going on in front of me. And if that means I've just got to eat this, then, then that's fine. And then other people that like find it, um, super stressful to say no to friends and partners like so that yeah. putting pressure on them to um like i can say from my own experience i had a boyfriend who wanted to go out and eat and drink a lot at weekends and i didn't feel strong enough to say to him actually no i don't want to do that i want to do something different or you know um and I have got a few clients who struggle who struggle with actually putting up their own boundaries and saying, "Hey, no, this isn't this isn't what I want to do." And again, taking responsibility for honouring themselves and what it is that they're trying to kind of achieve. Just kind of going with the flow a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a whole like it's a whole range of like different things, but definitely letting the old hair down and throwing everything out the window. Right. I think just generally, because the weekends don't have the same structure as the weekdays, for most people, most of our clients are working nine to fives, you know, whether they enjoy their jobs or not, there's probably a big range on that. So maybe they're not getting fulfillment from their work. Um, so the weekends comes around, they don't have to work. So they actually have the freedom to do what they want. And part of that might just be like food brings them happiness. And that's maybe one of the things in their life that just provides them with happiness because a lot of their life is, you know, coming from a place of like lack or wishing something was different. And um, I know for me in my past and a lot of my clients now, it's like, yeah, you're, you're not happy in most parts of your life, but and food provides you with that, you know? And uh, even if it's preventing you from achieving your results and stuff like long term, it's like, well, it fucking tastes good. So I'm just going to eat it right now, you know, because temporary, it's, temporary. yeah, that immediate satisfaction. And don't you think that on some level, it's totally fine that food makes us happy, right? Like if something is delicious, like wonderful, like the problem comes when it is like one of the main things that makes us happy, when it's the thing we rely on, when we don't have like a whole list of other things that make us just as happy. I don't know if you saw the post I put up just yesterday. I had this client talk herself through like trying to figure out why does she overeat? And she just out and out said, and I was very surprised she said it. She said, I have a job I hate. I have a brutal commute. I go home and I do their laundry and I cook their food and I run their errands and I just don't have any fun in my life. She's like, she's like, and my fun is sitting with a bag of Oreos and that's really messed up. And I was really impressed that she like came to that conclusion completely on her own. But I think a lot of people are in that situation and you know, it's going to be taking, it's not about just figuring out like, Oh, I need to portion out my Oreos. It's about figuring out where can I find actual fulfillment, contentment, fun, pleasure in my life so that Oreos are just Oreos. Yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> it's hard to own that and admit it. Yeah. Because it is. I think that we all have had a period in our lives like that. Like I have for sure. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely had low points in my life where like food was the thing I could count on, you know? Yeah. I have to tell you Friday nights when I was in college and like, sometimes I would just get overwhelmed and I would go to the store and buy a bag of mulatto cookies and some kind of like junky magazine, like people. And I would sit and eat the whole bag and read the magazine, like an entire bag. Mm -hmm. Like, and I looked forward to it. Like I super wanted to do that. I didn't want to go out with my friends. Like I was tired and I just wanted to sit with my bag of cookies. So, you know, definitely been there. Yeah. Yeah. And something happens on the weekends too, I think, that during the week, I think it's easy to um, almost be more aware of your decisions as they relate to like different parts of the day, right? Like we were talking about the structure. But on the weekends, I think, Sarah, you brought this up. It's like you 
don't, we don't often take responsibility for our actions or we feel like, you know, we just blame it on everyone else. Like, oh, like my circumstances were different or, oh, that person made me eat this or made me do that and not feeling like they're in the driver's seat. Um, and I think because you have a lot different influences going on in the weekend and just, a, you know, you're out of your typical routine. Um, I wanted to kind of get some actionable takeaways from you guys, um, for everyone listening, like maybe some strategies to, um, helping stay on track on the weekends, um, whether it be through, you know, things they tell themselves or habits you can start working on. Um, but just, you know, maybe one or two, let's start with one, um, of your like top, tips for staying on track or getting your clients to stay on track on the weekends and treat, having them treat it just like another day. Um, I'm going to start with this one, Sam. Um, crush it. Because, well, it's really what was the, the revolutionary moment for you when you and I were working together in the fall yeah. was rewriting the story about the weekend. So just like I said originally that so many of my clients come to me saying, the weekends are my downfall. I always sabotage on the weekends. It's like, okay, well, if you continue to tell yourself that, then that is going to be your reality. Whatever you put after the word, you know, I am or whatever is going to come to fruition in my experience. So rewriting that story, however you have to do it, whether it's you know, you journal about it and you just write down those positive affirmations, like I stay on track over the weekend. Um, and yeah, changing your mindset around it. I think that's the, like the best place to start is trying to reprogram your mind to how you think about yourself when it comes to the weekends and then how you approach the weekend to begin with. So I would say, start there, start telling yourself a different story about your behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think like also, um, almost like removing identity from it, right? Like, okay, just because I was that, or I did that, does it mean that that's who I am or that's the person that I'm going to be? Exactly. And being like, today is the day that I'm making a change and that can happen for anyone at any day. And just understanding that, like you literally have the power to make that switch at any point. Like it's never, it's never like you're never gone too far or you've never fucked up too many times. Mm -hmm. So I And I think even if you feel like if a person feels like, well, it feels like a big leap for me to say, like, I stay on track on the weekends. I've had clients say things like, I am practicing staying on track on the weekends. I am learning to stay on track on the weekends. This is me doing that versus saying, you know, like I screw up on the weekends all the time, kind of like baby stepping themselves to really feeling like this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like the phrase too. I am becoming someone who. Yeah, that. exactly. I am becoming someone who stays on track on the weekend. I love that. Cause yeah, that's hmm. true. Cause sometimes saying it when you don't really believe it, it definitely creates a disconnect. And yeah. my old powerlifting coach, he would always talk about this. He's like, you know, sometimes I have a problem with positive affirmations because let's say you want to make more money and you're sitting there looking at yourself in the mirror, like, I am rich. I am abundant. I am wealthy. <laughs> and in the back of the mind, your mind, you know, you've got 20 bucks in your bank account. That's so true. Yeah. So yes, uh, you know, the positive affirmations are helpful, but I really like what both of you said about, I am working to become this person. So it, it takes away a little bit of that charge and that like pit in your stomach where you're like, Oh, I really don't feel it because you know, science shows that when it comes to using the affirmations or visualization, it's all about connecting the emotion to the thought or to, you know, what you're saying. And again, like I said, with that example, if you're saying to yourself, I am someone who stays on track over the weekend, but in the back of your mind, you're doubting yourself, then you're not feeling that feeling, but it can be encouraging to write down or say out loud, I am becoming someone who stays on track during the weekend. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Else that I've been getting my clients to do is just to say like, I'm going to do something really good today, or I'm going to do something better than last weekend, or I'm going to do something different from last weekend. So again, just rephrasing it. So it's that thing of like, I am perfect and I am already 
being and doing what this person is kind of what I want to be just makes it a bit more realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming up with new routines on the weekend, if a lot of your routines tend toward eating, can be really helpful. So if you go to the movies every Friday night and end up getting a bucket of popcorn and some pretzels with cheese sauce and a box of M&Ms, and it feels like, wow, it's going to be hard to go to the movies without getting a snack, maybe come up with a new Friday night plan and be like, you know what, Friday nights we now you know, play family game night at home and create a new, a new routine with a different set of cues um, until you can get used to that and then start kind of going back to the things you used to do where food was a big part of it and creating new routines around them. Yes, it's disassociating, yeah. disassociating kind of automatic connections. Mm -hmm. People need to kind of work on doing. Yeah. Uh, I think structuring like making the weekends not be all food centric activities absolutely like going out with your friends doesn't need to be like getting totally reckless or like eating so much food that you can't move like that used to be my form of like pleasure on the weekends with my friends like we'd go out friday saturday sometimes even thursday night get drunk or at least close to it and then have that you know food coma that sarah was talking about in the kitchen like a swarm wake up and have like you know the next world war in my kitchen and it's like doing that consistently <laughs> it's not sustainable um and so creating some like you know some activities that you like to do with your friends that involve maybe like movement or like involve movement and food, but not just sitting and not moving and eating. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. I think too, if you're going to try and have um, the weekend be just like any other day, which is kind of what we've been talking about here a little bit, it's just, just like any other day, you know, you don't go all in on the treats. That means that um, Tuesday is a perfectly fine day to have ice cream, just like Saturday is, you know, and making that be okay. And if you really struggle with it, maybe specifically deciding on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, I'm going to have a chocolate bar, an ice cream, whatever your thing is. So that come Saturday, you can remember like, wait, I have some of that Tuesday. I can have some today too. It's not like I have to go all in because I could have some again next Tuesday. Right. Yeah. The like, I can always have more later mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know for me, I don't know about you guys, and maybe this, this is just because like my relationship is with food has changed so much over the course of the past year like if you looked at where I was last year at this time versus right now um and a lot of this thanks to Marcy hey girl um hey. shout out to Marcy I'm so proud of you um a lot of that was like super strict Monday through Friday day and then Friday night Saturday and Sunday morning would be like a total disaster um, and that was because I wasn't giving myself permission throughout the week, but then I started intentionally planning to have those like treats or foods that I would, would be like, oh no, I can't have that. Like, that's not, that's not going to fit my macros or like, I shouldn't waste my calories on that. You know, being like, you know what? I want some ice cream. I'm going to just have some ice cream. Cause like the less time I spend thinking about wanting something, the more, the less I'll ha like build up this like urge or need to have it without giving myself it. Mm -hmm. and so I think for me, just anytime I notice like, oh, I shouldn't, when I notice that word pop up in my head, I'm like, that's exactly when I take action on it and have it. Um, even if it's not in my best interest, like in a calorie way, it's really helping me repair the like should, should not argument in my head. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna have a little, it's cool. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I don't, I haven't built up all this like resistance and restriction against that thing. And it feels really good to just be like, yeah, I can have whatever I want and actually believe it. Like, yep, I can have whatever I want. And Which in the long term will help you in the calorie sense too. Exactly. Yeah. Cause like, sure, an extra few hundred calories throughout the week is way better than like an extra 3,000 on a weekend night when I'm lonely yeah. in my kitchen with peanut butter. <laughs> 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 it would be Nutella for me, but okay, I totally get you. Yeah, you and Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Team Nutella. Come to Mama. Come to Mama. Uh, peanut butter or Nutella? You guys are Nutella? What about you, Marcy? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
coconut butter. Oh. <laughs> Man, that Sam, that coconut butter that you sent me six months ago is the best thing I have maybe ever eaten in my life. Oh my god! It tasted like a macaroon. Oh, like I was just I taking spoonfuls of macaroons. I mean, you know, I love coconut. Some people are probably sitting here thinking like coconut butter I've is never had your favorite butter. thing, but this uh, stuff was on another level. <laughs> So, okay, I want to I ask a fun question. Um, if there could be a food with no calories and no, like, repercussion of, like, you know, like, feeling like shit or, like, feeling bloated or anything bad, what would that food be for you and why? I think you know my answer. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so you Mine is clearly first. cereal of all varieties and the milk associated with it. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Milk Bar to have their... Uh... Uh, in New York City? Yeah. That was called, yeah, I think the place I went to was called Milk Bar. It was milk and cookies. Yeah. And they have like cereal and ice cream, that place. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Honestly, when I went there and we got it, I'm like, can I just have a big bowl of cereal? I don't even need the ice cream. <laughs> But I felt weird doing that, so I got, I, you know, I got the ice cream. Where did your cereal obsession stem from? I think from my childhood. My whole family, like we, my brothers and sisters and I, we all just loved it. Yeah. We always did. Yeah. And has it always I mean, been Lucky Charms? No. And I love so many other cereals, but that's just my favorite. But it, that's been my long-standing favorite. But, you know, I love all cereals. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. I've got all cereals matter. All cereals matter. I have a question for you. What's that? Are you team crunchy cereal or soggy cereal? Oh my gosh, there's not even a question. Crunchy cereal. Do you know people who like soggy cereal? I, I do yeah. actually. I do. Yeah. I Are do. they serial killers like in real yeah. life? Serial <laughs> killers? No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> that seems wacky. <laughs> When I was, when I was growing up, like I love cereal too. So that may be one of the foods that I would say is my favorite. And I was not allowed to have sugary cereal when I was growing up. So my mom had these rules that my dad didn't necessarily abide by, but my mom did. So no sugary cereal, no white bread, no sugary gum, yet I could drink regular Coke all day long. <laughs> so ironic. But, uh, but when I would go to my grandma's house, she would have all of the junk food and just like every cereal imaginable. So my favorite was Cocoa Krispies, but at grandma's house, we didn't use regular milk. We used half and half. And oh, oh my gosh, level up. Never had cereal with half and half. You're missing out. <laughs> it's so good. Can you imagine if you had cereal with half and half right now? I think your intestines would like shoot out of your head. I wouldn't even care. It's that good. <laughs> um, yeah. So cereal will probably be one of mine too. But other than that, I would say either mud pie or frozen yogurt with all of the chocolate sprinkles and yogurt chips. Like I love Froyo so much. Oh my God. I haven't had it in years. I'm definitely like more of a sweet than savory person. So it's kind of like a toss up between all three of those really. I don't know what I would decide. Is mud pie like the pudding, like chocolate pudding and the chocolate cake and No, it's oh my gosh, it's so good. It's like one of my fondest memories from childhood with my dad. It is a chocolate cookie crust with usually a coffee ice cream or maybe like a vanilla ice cream. And then sometimes they'll use like Jamocha almond fudge. It doesn't, it just depends on the, whoever's making it. So um, ice cream in the middle, whipped cream and hot fudge on top. Oh shit. It's so good. <laughs> is that drool I see from your face? <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so that's mine. That's great. Samantha. Oh God. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, um, the top two would be granola. Like, granola is, I think, the most 
amazing combination of all of the best textures and flavors. So you got the crunch, um, you have the sweet, the salty, and sometimes you get a little savory depending on what's in the granola. Um, and then you also got a little of the sticky if the whatever the binding agent for the uh, granola is like if it's like honey or gooey whatever. Yeah. So you kind of get like all the contrasting textures. Oh man! And if you put it in milk, like that's even better. Um, but usually I just go like straight like hand in bag. So, <laughs> uh, but like, like in a, in a dream, I just pour the whole bag in a bowl of milk. <laughs> Half and half. It is like the ultimate hyper palatable food. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Crunchy, salty, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing yeah. that dopamine, baby. <laughs> Give me the hit. <laughs> Let me hit some of that granola. <laughs> How about you, Sarah? Um, so I would go with an ice cream cookie sandwich, mm. but with listen, granola and chocolate sauce all over the top of it in a bowl. Ooh, what kind of cookie? Um, one milk chocolate, one um, peanut butter and chocolate. Do you wow. have those places in London, the ice cream sandwich shops? We do, indeed. Right. One of them today, I found them do the granola thing on top. I've just done that myself. You just got to bring it with you. <laughs> a little Tupperware. Excuse me, can you dip this in my granola? <laughs> can you just do this for me? Thank you. Y-O-G. <laughs> I thought of one more thing, too. Uh, how do you guys feel about, like, warm cinnamon rolls? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, fuck man. it up. Oh. You guys, have you guys ever made them? Have you made homemade cinnamon rolls? Yes. Yeah. I have talented friend bakers, and every so often I'll be like, hey, my kids want cinnamon rolls. Help me make them. They're a project. They take, like, three and a half hours to make a pan of cinnamon rolls. They're amazing, but it's hours and hours of work. Yeah. What's that? I just did it out of a tube. Oh, out of a tube. Okay, yeah, that's not the same. Uh, <laughs> if you go to like Cinnabon and get the like big, the, they're like as yeah. big as your face. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love cinnamon rolls. Yeah, cinnamon. So like cinnamon toast crunch. That's the best cereal, I think. I've still toast never toast. tasted it. Yeah, I just. Can't, that's your homework. Yes. <laughs> no, I specifically don't do it so my kids can keep it in my house. I just I'm like yeah, I don't like it, so I just pretend I don't like it so they can keep it. <laughs> So I we're going to keep that. <laughs> um, okay. So one more thing I want to talk about um, as we kind of go around the round table um, is, so say we all indulge all throughout the weekend, right? Uh, maybe you guys, your clients, whatever. Um, on Sunday, you're hit with like that huge wave of guilt, realizing what you did. You're kind of like acknowledging like, oh shit, I, I did it again. I fell into the weekend thing. Um, but I want to get back on track. Um, and, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed because I've like thrown myself over the edge too far. What would you say, uh, is your biggest piece of advice for someone, you know, our audience member that's listening that feels like they just went off the edge too much. Like they don't even want to get back on track on Monday because it feels like it's just too much effort. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Um, so I would say to them, first of all, drink some water and go for a walk around the block, breathe deep. And then they need to just sit and think about kind of going forward. Who, who do they want to be? Do they want to be the person that is going to stay off track and day by day feel worse and worse and worse or do they want to walk into Monday and just do one tiny small thing which is going to indicate to themselves that they are back on track and that they can if they put their mind to it eat the vegetables with every meal or drink water all day or so just to, to get up on the Monday morning and do something very small which is indicating to them that they are back on track don't think that you have to get 
everything perfect and go you know have all your meal prep and everything done if that's too overwhelming don't do that just say to yourself okay yeah I screwed up I went off track but tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm just going to eat vegetables with all my meals and move that's it yeah don't beat yourself up move you've got to move into that self-acceptance of kind of you know what's done is done and you know each day you can do better than yesterday mm. So yeah, it's tough. Like it really is because it kind of you know your mind's generally quite foggy from all the food and drink and everything, which doesn't help. Um, but everyone can do it. Whoa! Ding ding! <laughs> that means you had the right answer, I guess. I don't know how to s- turn off my. Oh my! I knew it was going to be you. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? A troublemaker. Oh, oh good at something, and technology is not my strong point. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, I'm gonna I'll follow that up and then I'll ask uh Marcy and Kim what yours are, only because you kind of touched upon something quickly at the end there, Sarah, that I wanna keep talking about. Um, which is getting out of your own head. Uh I know for me, like I just have to talk to someone and just be like, Hey, I kind of feel disappointed in myself, like just owning it, like acknowledging that you you struggled and not judging yourself for it and just being like, hey, look, I messed up again or I messed up. Um, I don't feel good about it, but I need to just talk about it because as soon as you just kind of get those words out of your head and just talk about it, the person that's receiving it is not going to be like, yeah, you did. You suck. They're going to say, just go back to regular, like you're fine, kid, you know, like, and give you a little bit of logic and um, outside perspective. I know for me, like, I have a tendency to beat myself up a little much just because it's like that all or nothing, that perfectionist mindset. And, and when I fall away from that, it's like, oh my God, like I didn't do it well. So I didn't do it at all rather than just being like, okay, like maybe I did better than last weekend. Maybe I didn't binge eat every day, you know? Um, and so talking it out for sure is like a big one for me. Yeah. Best friend tactic. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, uh, Kim and Marcy? What about you guys? So a couple of things, and a lot of it's going to be similar to what you ladies have said. Really good stuff you said there. I think one of the first things I would do is challenge that feeling of guilt and either to somebody else or to yourself, talk back to that. Like, do I really need to feel guilty about this? Like I ate food. I didn't rob a bank. I didn't like hurt a baby. I ate food and really like (gasps) take that, right? Because like we start feeling so guilty and bad about this guilt and just challenging, like, is this even reasonable to feel guilty about? Um, And then I like what you said about, you know, talking to somebody and I would say, talk to yourself. I think you just said this, Sarah, like you would your friend. If my best friend came to me and said, this is how she felt, what would I say? And say that to yourself. That's the way, you know, and really talking it out with another person is best, but if not, just talking out loud to yourself can help. Um, Reminding yourself that you are learning, you can't mess this up, you're just going to keep going. And then taking action usually is the thing that helps the most. Like planning can help, but sometimes we get into this, I'm going to plan everything just perfectly for tomorrow and next week, where the thing that could really just help us feel better is like, we're actually doing it. So I think Sarah said this, like go for a walk, eat a vegetable, like do something that shows that you are this person who does these things, you know, and you'll feel right back in your power of like, I am doing this right now. Right. Yeah. You almost step into the person that you want to be, but you don't feel like you are in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mars. I love all of those wonderful suggestions. Mine would be reconnect to your why. So hopefully when you started this whole process, you created a really powerful why for yourself, which is, it goes deeper than I want to lose 20 pounds. It's the why do you want to lose 20 pounds? And really sit in those feelings and visualize yourself as that person, you know, however many pounds lighter, wearing the clothes that you want to wear, doing the things that you would do if you were that person and really just try to sit with that and get into those emotions and feelings. Uh, Cause so often I think we only think about how we want to feel in that moment. You know, we want to numb with the food to 
feel better, feel less stressed, feel connected, feel like we're fitting in, whatever the reason is for that person. But so rarely do we think about, well, how do I want to feel an hour from now, the next day, you know, the next week, year, 10 years, whatever. So getting out of that like immediate mindset of, I feel like shit. And instead think about, okay, how do I really want to feel? And then taking action. I love the taking action piece from that place because doing something regardless of how small, whether it's drinking the water, going for a walk, eating a vegetable, that immediately puts you back in your power. And it's not the motivation that's going to help you do it, right? Because you're going to feel, you're sitting there feeling bad about yourself. And when you were in, a, when you were in that mental state, the last thing you do, you are feeling is motivated, but what will create the momentum and make you feel motivated eventually is to just do one thing that gets you back on track. I love that. Yeah. I think for everyone too, it's going to be different. Like some people it's a walk, some people it's making like, you know, something healthy for themselves or going to work out or doing something for them, like meditating, journaling, writing, reading, just whatever that is, but feeling like they're in their power, like you said. Um, all right. So to wrap up, I wanted to get a little bit more vulnerable about us, um, and like our struggles and maybe, um, if you guys are open to it, sharing like the biggest or the most recent experience that you've had with either a weekend or with food where you just haven't felt good about it. Um, it could be like you overate. It could be that, um, you just like didn't feel in control of your food. And, um, I just, I think I want to have everyone listening, understand that, yeah, we're coaches. We have experience. We've done this for a while. Some, some of us longer than others, but like we still struggle like there's still going to be times where we aren't perfect um and so if you guys have something that comes to mind like i'd love to hear what that's like because i know like i definitely have things um pretty often too but um i just want to hear maybe some of yours and i'll share mine last i'll start okay so i haven't talked about it on here very much i just recently shared it on instagram but for the past three months i have been going through a very intense gut healing diet which really isn't new to me because like i mentioned in the earlier part of the podcast i've been on a very restricted diet for a long time but this has me following a meal plan which i have not done probably for 10 years now and it is very strict. So at least in the beginning, I wasn't really allowed to, and I don't, to be honest, I don't know if I'm allowed to right now. I haven't asked substitute foods. So it's like the same food over and over again. Some of the foods I don't love. The meals are boring. It's like seven meals a day. They're super small. So I never really feel satisfied. And I've definitely realized how important it is to have flexibility in your plan to help you stay on track. And in the beginning, like I was trying to follow it so rigidly that I wasn't even allowing myself to have like a diet soda or, you know, an occasional thing like that, which is usually what will help keep me on track. Like the smallest thing can be really helpful. Um, and <laughs> so I live with a 250 pound power lifter who can eat whatever he wants. And <laughs> Up until recently, like his diet was atrocious. It was DoorDash every single night, um, sometimes multiple meals a day, you know, ice cream, eating candy in bed, like just all the junk food in the house, which I was really good at avoiding, mostly because it had gluten and dairy in it, which I have to avoid. But then he suddenly, in order to replace his candy habit, decided that he was going to start eating banana chips, which if you know me, banana chips are my kryptonite. <laughs> Those might be your second favorite, right? They're my second favorite. I was like, of all things you choose, you have Pick to something banana else. chips. Yeah. And he buys like six bags at a time. You open the cabinet and the banana chips come like crashing down on your face. <laughs> so anyway, I've had, I've had a couple of run-ins with banana chips because they are one of my favorite things and I'm not allowed to have them and I feel very deprived. So yeah. that's, that's it for me. Nothing too crazy, but definitely not on the meal plan. <laughs> yeah. 
And did you experience what we were talking about earlier? Like the, like, oh, I fucked up, like a little bit of the guilt and shame or like, what was the aftermath for you? Yeah, a little bit of guilt and shame just because I do pride myself on being so strict and regimented and really just being able to like follow that plan to a T. So, and to have a, like I was saying earlier, to have a really strong why behind why I'm doing this. Um, And it definitely, there definitely could have been worse things. Right. I don't think a handful of banana chips really fucked me up. (laughs) Um, So it could have been way worse, but yeah, of course, you know, I, I want to be that star client, so to speak. That's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Uh, Sarah Kim. Um, Well, so obviously me and you are doing this fat loss thing at the Mm. minute. And this was the first fat loss phase I had done in quite a few years after kind of really working to repair a screwed up relationship that I had developed with food during kind of competing in extreme dieting. And it's this whole experience has been quite interesting for me um, because I'm having to work quite hard at... um, not kind of letting the voices in the back of my head talk me into feeling restricted Um, because I'm not restricted. I can have anything I want. But I think when you come from a background of having had a slightly skewish relationship with food for a while, there is always going to be a tendency when you're having to really think more about your intake that there are going to be these kind of like slightly louder voices that are going to try and persuade you that you are actually restricted so I've kind of I've had to work kind of a little extra harder to talk myself round and not end up kind of in the cupboard saying okay well it's all right I need to go and eat this because um I feel restricted and I need to stop the feel of restriction. I don't even know if that makes any sense, but it's almost like I'm having to cut the voices off by going to eat something, even though I know it's not the me, it's the old voices, if Mm. that makes any sense. So there's been a couple of times when I've kind of gone and like nibbled on bits of extras and then immediately afterwards I've been like, well, that wasn't what I intended to do at all. Um, and the voices have just been like, me, 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 in the back of my, in the back of my mind. But it's not led to any kind of binging, but it's kind of an interesting, if, 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 you've, if no one's ever kind of lived through a kind of weird voice conversation around food in your head, it's kind of an interesting experience to listen to it from a kind of third party but what I have noticed myself doing this week is I have I seem to be drinking more diet sodas and more flavored waters I think to try and like um keep myself satisfied if that makes sense um so it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting experience that I've kind of had going on but I wouldn't say it's been like you know out of control or anything I'm just very aware that that's what's going on in my mind yeah I think a lot of the people listening are having that mental resistance and that mental chatter I think that's very common it's just not talked about you know because people don't want to admit it like I didn't for sure um because it's like wait I think about food that much or wow food's in my brain that often where I'm having this conversation with myself about it it's like yeah Actually, for most people, yeah, they are thinking about food way more than they need to be. Yeah. So I'm having a really interesting struggle with food right now. It's not a place I expected to find myself, and I don't even exactly know how to express it without people being like, just be quiet. Like, don't complain about that. I don't know if it's relating to the medication I started, my hormone replacement therapy. It coincided with being on it about a month, but I have literally stopped being hungry. Like, I don't feel hunger. I can wake up in the morning and not eat, and I don't get hungry. And it's really strange because I was really kind of practicing a lot. Like, I wait until I'm hungry to eat. But clearly, this screws that all up because I don't know. And so I've struggled. I'm like, hey, I could get really lean. Like, I'm not hungry at all. Like, I'm just not going to eat. Like, 
you know, and it also coincided with a really stressful time. My business is just exploding. I'm super busy. So I could like just not eat. And then I found myself like not eating for hours on end. And then I, cause it's not like I still don't like food. Cause like, hello, food is still delicious. And I'd find myself sitting on my son's bed and eating handfuls of pretzel M&Ms cause I hadn't eaten in five hours. And I'm like, I have plenty of calories. Well, that's not a good place to be. Like I need real food. And so I'm finding myself having to really work hard at let's eat, you know, and I have big physical goals. I'm really working hard on this 300 pound deadlift. And so I'm trying to go mentally there, like just going to eat, I'm going to eat my protein, going to eat some vegetables, but it's a very strange spot for me to be in. Um, you know, I like that. I'm not, I, I didn't realize how apparently I was hungry a lot more than I realized before because it's a very strange feeling to just not be hungry at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I personally haven't really had too much experience with the lack of hunger thing. I think the one time my appetite has been suppressed was when I was taking Adderall and that mm-hmm. just like knocks your, your hunger out. Like you don't even think about food, you know? Like, yeah. Food is the last thing on your mind. You have no appetite. Your dope means through the fucking roof. You're like, blah, 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 you know, yeah. like, I could run like 18 marathons, feel good. Um, and for me, like my hunger is very apparent uh, right now as Sarah and I are doing this, this fat loss phase. So it's like, I'm almost envious of that lack of hunger. <laughs> I know. And I know. I'm sure people will be like, you know? don't that, but it's, a, if it's not a great place to be. And I will say, I've never understood. So my son is on ADHD medicine and we have to work really hard to help him eat food because he's very small. And I've never understood like what in the world could it possibly feel like to just not eat all day because you're not hungry. And I'm starting to understand like, all right, that's a real thing. Like I totally get why he's not eating. He physically has no sensation that he needs food. Right. So, and I've, I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've had clients that have had that. They're like, I'm just not really hungry. You know, like they they don't, they're not either in tune with their hunger or they're not like, they don't have enough muscle or their metabolism is slower than it probably could be if they were lifting Mm -hmm. and like getting enough protein and moving more. And so once they start to experience that hunger, it's like, whoa, like I'm, it's a sign of like being alive, you know? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, oh my gosh, maybe I'm dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, your finger looks like you're dead. I know. It's I I will share something kind of vulnerable. Like going back to my boyfriend who is this huge guy, you would think by looking at him that he just eats all day long. And I have never met someone in my life who is more of a mindful eater in control of their food. Well, I <laughs> as I'm saying that he eats like nothing but candy and DoorDash. <laughs> but but when, when it comes to like being in touch with his hunger and fullness cues, does not eat out of emotion and really has very, very little appetite. And I am someone who does think about food a lot. And I will admit like, I mean, I can totally be an emotional eater. And when I'm stressed or anxious or sad, like I'm, I don't, turn to food necessarily, but I get excited for my next meal. Like that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to be in a relationship with someone who could care less about food, who literally has to force himself to eat, who forgets to eat. And then when we're eating together after like five bites, it's like, oh, I'm so full. And I've, you know, pretty much like wolfed down my dinner and I'm like, bring me more because I have, I like, I'm a bottomless pit. I have no, it's really strange. I have no fullness mechanism. Um, but anyway, that is kind of something that I have felt a lot of shame around, especially because I am the woman, he is the man. And sometimes it seems like men should have a bigger appetite or we you know want to eat more and he could just care less. So here I am thinking about food all the time when it's like the last thing on his mind. Uh, and that's hard for me. Yeah. I struggle with the same thing. About that. Huh? I struggle with the same thing actually. Like I didn't realize how much of an appetite I had until starting to date Kurt because he like he doesn't eat after six like he's just not hungry he's like oh yeah like I had a big breakfast I'm like what the fuck it's like six o'clock dude like I'm like I'm on my fifth meal (laughs) I know so like I think it's also like hit maybe you know the thing that he looks forward to um you know if he's having a stressful day is like you know, going home and like reading or like playing video games or like doing whatever he does, you know? And for me, it's like, 
oh yeah, like food is an easy option, right? To like, as a, as a, a, a quick like hit almost. Um, and it's, it's easy, it's cheap, it's um, accepted socially. And it's not really looked at the way that any other coping strategy is, you know, because it's food. It's like, oh yeah, like you could be hungry, you could be stressed, you could be emotional, but like no one's really judging because, you know, until you're aware. And it's made me be way more okay with being hungry and like going really long distances without food. Um, like on Saturday, for example, I went like eight hours between breakfast and dinner. I didn't eat lunch. And in the past, I would have been freaking the fuck out. Like, oh my God, I need to eat. I'm going to lose all my muscle. I'm going to die. Like my stomach's going to eat itself. I'm going to go, you know, and like having this whole internal battle. But the whole time I was actually coaching myself through it. Like you can have more later. You're going to eat dinner. Like you can always go and get food. It's, you're not, going to die it's not an emergency and just constantly like repeating that to myself and it was pretty powerful because I made it to dinner I didn't feel the need to like scarf everything down um and that was one of the first times that I was like wow Kurt's a good influence on me in terms of eating like he's a chef you know like he like cooks and for someone that's so food focused for for him to not be uh you know, motivated by eating or like always be talking about food and eating and eating and eating. It's really helpful for me to like get that out of my head. So, yeah. Was that also the day that you were in Rhode Island with his family? Yes. So pretty interesting if you connect connect those dots because you texted me yesterday saying what a wonderful time you had. You were spending the day in nature, like doing activities with people you loved. And I think it really speaks to the fact that connection being connected with people on like an intimate level, I mean, intimate, you know what I mean? Um, can take your mind off food. So it's like, yes, we can use food as a way to connect with people, but when you are actively engaged in like doing things that feed your soul in a different way, it's amazing how much less you think about food. Yeah. And you can go hours without even noticing or like really being hungry. Right. I think a lot of times hunger and cravings are much more psychological than they are physical. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty powerful. I was just like reflecting on it after dinner and thinking, yeah, I like, yeah, I experienced hunger. I felt it in my gut and like I had some noises happening in my stomach, but like, you know, it wasn't anything I couldn't get past. And it also like dissipated because I was happy. And I actually, like, haven't really experienced that full sense of happiness, like, to this degree, I I don't know if ever, or at least recently to my awareness. And it's like, wow, that's probably helping my relationship with food, too. You know, it's like, I have fulfillment in other areas of life. So it's kind of going full circle back to that first thing we were talking about, about, like, the happiness thing. I think we should do a whole episode on this, on what Marcy was just talking about, about the idea of, like, connection um, you know, instead of food. And what about people who that is how they create connection? So I have a, a newer client from the South and she told me straight up, she's like, this is going to be hard for me because I'm from the South and food is love. That's how we show our love. That's how we, that's how we love. And I think a lot of people are in that kind of, um, that's how they, that's what they do with food. I think it'd be really cool to explore that more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that will be one of the following episodes for sure. And I think we could go on and on and on forever. Yeah, today. it's true. <laughs> uh, but I think for now, I think we should kind of wrap things up. Um, I, I think that we had a lot of good nuggets of gold to share here. Um, and like, just so you guys know, everyone listening, like I think having all four of us, like us be coaches, I think for me anyways, it's easy to feel like we got to have it together, you know, and like not mess up because we have to lead by example but also that we are leading by example in that we still mess up and we can get back on track and Mm -hmm. so you can too you know it's not you're not screwed you're not too far off that edge um any any other words of uh, wisdom as we depart you guys (laughs) i you know let me add just one thing that i wanted to touch on and is a strategy that i do use with some clients mostly the ones or really all of the ones that are actually counting macros because I think that this can be a little bit more difficult to use if you are just doing habit-based nutrition or intuitive eating 
that is to allocate more calories to your weekend days. So I do find that some people do okay because they're so busy during the day or during the week when it comes to, you know, work, family activities, all of that, that they either like forget to eat or it's just, it's not as big of an issue to them. But when they get to the weekend, it's like, you know, kick up your heels and that's when all the wheels fall off. So if you can eat a little bit less during the week and then give yourself more calories to play with on the weekend, this is a strategy that I learned from uh, my best friend, Sohi, who is a really great nutrition coach. And it works well for a lot of people. Yeah, I do that with some of mine. Mm-hmm. Good. So yeah, I totally, I totally agree. All of my clients who are counting calories, I give them high days and low days and they can use them how they want through the week. And for people who like on the weekend, like to have more calories, that's typically when they, when they use them. Yeah. I think just as a counter to that, it can also be a tricky situation because I know in the past when I've given myself weekends as higher calorie days, I have um, found it a reason to treat weekends differently than weekdays. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful of that, like you can still do that as long as you're in control of what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, to like maybe make a high calorie day, like a Tuesday, a Thursday. Mm -hmm. Or, and that's really great for people who struggle with that weekend mentality to do that on purpose. Exactly. Or, you know, they, so that they conflict with your training days or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but making it work for, do you go out with coworkers every Thursday? Okay. Well then use that high calorie day on your Thursday. Don't Mm -hmm. on a Monday just because your coach is telling you like, use it to work with your life and the things that you know are built into your routine so that your diet, whatever, the way that you eat is working with you and not like creating potentially disordered eating or potentially bad habits around food, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Cool. All right, you guys, I think that's going to be a wrap. Um, I'm totally going to have a cinnamon. I'm going to make some cinnamon rolls this weekend. Cinnamon now. (laughs) (laughs) Cinnamon something. Just don't have it be out of a tube. (laughs) Like a sausage. I want it out of a tube. I'll have it out of a tube. (laughs) Okay, fine. You're dirty. What are you putting? (laughs) Oh, Sarah's got a crazy night ahead of her. <laughs> Dudes and cinnamon rolls. Oh, yeah. oh, all right. Well, love you all. Um, and everyone listening, hope this was super helpful. And we will catch y'all in the next episode. Peace out. Bye. 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 All right, that wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together. We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.